Hey everybody, uh, thanks for joining. I am here with my newly acquired friend of uh, maybe a few weeks or a month now, um, Katie Spencer Johnson. She is a so social media strategist um, and uh, she's got a really wide background, diverse background, uh, most recently spent a lot of time in higher education. And um, I follow her on Twitter and just am really um, I'm learning a lot from her and what she has to say and share with the, uh, the social media community. So I had to bring her onto the podcast and, um, get her to share some of her wisdom. I love it. So what do you say? You got any wisdom for us? I always have wisdom. I always have opinions. Like <laughs> I'm always happy to share them. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Especially great. on Twitter. So. Oh, well, that's the, Hey, that's the best place to have an opinion. Absolutely. Yep. Unless you are um, like a fully verified epidemiologist and virologist, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you know, then just don't even bother. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The struggle is real. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, uh, Katie, I, I'm glad to, to have you on because I wanted to to really kind of pick your brain about you know your career and the work that you've done and are doing. And um, I generally start all of this off by saying, where did you get your start? Where, mm -hmm. what was the, what was the, the itch that, that got you into uh, marketing and social media? Yeah. So I, um, I prior, I think I had a really non-traditional academic career path. Like I think most people in academia have like, they land in academia and stay in academia. I started in publishing. Um, so I was uh, helping people write books um, and create content, which was amazing. And then I transitioned to nonprofit work. So that's where I started really understanding um, social media use. And that's where I got my start in social media. And then I was managing um, the nonprofit brand on, um, on social as well as mm -hmm. um, doing a lot of media relations for them. And then I kind of naturally fell into it on the higher ed side. So cool. like the nonprofit side kind of pushed me into higher education. Um, yeah. So. And, and where did you go to school? I went to Wheaton College uh, just outside of Nor in Norton, Mass. Um, okay. So there are two Wheatons, one in Ohio and the other one in um, Massachusetts. Um, so it's a good distinction to make. Uh, yeah, and I graduated <laughs> with a degree in... Um, English, which I think a lot of marketers uh, start in English or start in, uh, you know, go for communications. Um, right. My background uh, was literature, film, and race, of all things, um, which I tap into actually a surprising amount when you're talking about a, appealing to a diverse audience and writing content that is inclusion-focused and accessible. You know, uh, you brought up Ohio, and, you know, I spent about almost eight years there um, mm -hmm. on, on the faculty side. Okay. And um, Ohio absolutely has more than one of everything. Mm -hmm. uh, I did uh, work for a client once. It was Liberty Township, Ohio. Okay. There are 24 Liberty Townships in Ohio. <laughs> Makes it hard to be a definitive, distinct brand in that case, yeah? <laughs> yeah oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, so, to hear that there's another Wheaton College, like, in mm -hmm. Ohio, that doesn't surprise me at all. No, no. Yeah. So, uh, so, you have a liberal arts background. You got your degree in, in uh, like, a communications adjacent yep. or affiliated field. And um, I'm glad to hear that, that you're still tapping into that for the work that you do. Um, I really love the, the diversity and range of experiences that, that we get as social media comms people. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, being able to have that background, I think, you know, enhances and augments what you do organically in that role. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think um, I literally tap into every facet of like communication skill sets as a social media manager. Um, my job most recently in higher education was coupled with media relations. Um, so like I was responsible for, of course, writing press releases and understanding and evaluating risk um, and then coupling that with social media strategy. Um, so I think it's really 
critically important that like higher ed professionals really think about the communication skills they do already possess and how it can pivot to um, marketing and communications. It's huge. So, um, you know, I, I agree with that. And, you know, as it relates to like professional development and things like that, what, what are you doing right now on the professional development side? And to preface that question, really, you know, I feel like if you're in uh, a marketing communications design field, you always have to be uh, growing professionally. Um, I often tell my students, you have to know a little about a lot. Uh, in order to have conversations with people, let alone meaningful and memorable ones. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of that ability comes from what you're learning and professional development. So is there anything that you've got going on right now that you're trying to learn or enhance? Oh, always. Um, so I am work looking right now, actually, at Google certifications to broaden what I already have in terms of my academic uh, background. I am certified by the National Institute for Social Media as a social media strategist, so that exists as a certification that I have, but um, I've also been taking classes at Northeastern um, looking at like resiliency and how mm -hmm. is that effectively communicated, um, looking at crisis comms. So as I said, I worked in on the PR side of the house, so how can you be more effective as a communicator, especially during a crisis like the pandemic? Um, right. And really, I mean, there is always going to be a facet of social media that is going to require that you stay on top of um, technology updates. I mean, you know, Facebook just adding, um, you know, a whole bunch of uh, content. They updated the UX, you know, like that's things that like not necessarily you need to know strategically, but it's something you need to understand. So then right. when you are building content for a diverse audience, you're not um, building content that's not going to help you accomplish your organizational or strategic goals. Um, so you really do need to stay not on top of the technical, but also on top of the skill sets that make you a better communicator. And really a uh, better storyteller. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I've been really emphasizing that the past year, uh, mm -hmm. just the importance of storytelling. Like, uh, you know, you can apply all kinds of different strategies to your comms, but if you don't have uh, a good story to tell, it Absolutely. just kind of falls flat or mm -hmm. it feels hollow or disingenuous. And, you know, when it comes to uh, comms, marketing, social, like, you know, we're dealing with very savvy people yeah. um, and they can see right through it if it's disingenuous, you know, yeah. or it's not fully formed. Um, I was going to ask you about the, the social media, the National Institute for Social Media, the certification. So mm -hmm. I've been spending a lot of time researching uh, a, a few things that are all tethered together. One, certification programs like NISM, mm -hmm. Google, mm -hmm. um, you know, looking at Twitter Flight School, HubSpot, yep. all of that. Hootsuite. Yep. And then also looking at... Uh, MOOCs or massive online open uh, courses curriculum um, and seeing what's offered there mm -hmm. um, because and one thing I've discovered through the the MOOCs model is that um, it's really unique you can see where the the cell is so for example on edX you can take any course for free but if you want the sheet of paper right? Yeah. Or really, yeah. in this case, the PDF with your name on it. Um, <laughs> you have to pay, Which, let's like, be real, we can all create that ourselves. Right, And I kept thinking about that. I'm like, well, all right. Um, so I, I signed up for uh, a course on edX and mm -hmm. I had a coupon code. And, you know, if I'm anything, if anything, I'm an informed consumer. Mm -hmm. uh, so like I got a coupon code, ended up spending $5.00. And now I can have like this legitimate certification from, believe it or not, the University of Queensland in Australia, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah. um, and that's, that's nice and all, but I don't know how much that's going to affect the, the mm -hmm. work I do daily. Yeah. So um, I wanted to ask you, like, with your certification, um, mm -hmm. What kind of value have you gotten out of that? How long did it take you? What were mm -hmm. the, the challenges with acquiring that certification? 
Yeah, so um, the certification process was actually pretty straightforward for me. Um, I had already been in industry for, what, five years at that point across my career in higher ed and nonprofit. So, like, mm -hmm. I had really already had a pretty strong foundation in, like, the five main core areas that NSIM tests upon. Um, it's related to content marketing. It's really related to governance and compliance. Um, you know, it's related to making sure that you are aligning your strategy with smart strategic goals um, and making sure that your social media is supporting your organization um, and that your organization is supporting social, both vice versa. Um, so it really, it, it didn't take me a long time, to be honest, to um, do the certification. You know, I studied on my own. It was, it was fully online um, in terms of studying. And then I just took, took the certification at a testing center. Um, the value in it, so I spent a lot of time really saying, do I need to be certified? You know, mm -hmm. I have experience, like I have six years of publishing, you know, six years of, sorry, social media management. And then sure. I have also like, you know, another nine in content management. So like, do I really need that validation? And what it came down to for me is I saw, started to see, and this is something we see in social all the time, uh, the thought that social media should be handled by interns, that social media strategy should be directed by someone who is making, you know, $25,000, like no offense to them. But, you know, I think the certification, if anything, validates what I already do, what I already know, um, yep. and validates more importantly, that the industry needs to have a standard. And I'm not saying NSIM and ISM is that standard but that we need to actually set some parameters and some ground rules to really elevate social media strategy. Um, you know, so I felt as a professional that this was a, a third party validation of what I already knew. I mean, yep. and of course my body of work as a social media manager speaks for itself um, in terms of who I am and how I communicate, um, you know, and I'm spelling errors and all, but like, you know, just making sure that, um, you know, that certification process was in place, um, was something that was really valuable for me. And I was able to um, use that certification to kind of justify to my organization what I could could do in the role that I had. Um, and it wasn't something that immediately promoted me. It wasn't anything like that, but it was a signal to them as to how serious um, I was about social media strategy. Um, and then also it was, it opened up an opportunity um, to work with um, the EDU Web Digital Summit. So, you know, I, I had known of, of the Digital Summit before I was certified, um, but it was just a happy, you know, confluence that I was able to work with them, um, both as a presenter and then eventually as a social track chair. So. You know, all right. So you brought up really, a lot of really good points that <laughs> I want to, I want to touch on. So uh, you're clearly getting value out of your certification. Yeah, and, and I think that that is critical if you're going to pursue anything like that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm of the mind that, like, you can have all the certifications in the world. Like, go get them. Like, you're only going to improve yourself mm -hmm. through that process. Um, I, I just wish the costs were a bit more, you know, um, yeah. feasible, yeah. Uh, especially now. But nevertheless, like you're, you're gaining value out of a certification that others feel that they've either moved beyond mm -hmm. or uh, don't frankly need. And, mm -hmm. you know, your, the value you put in that give it, gives its importance. And for someone like me, like, you know, I look at that and I'm like, you know, maybe I should do that because mm -hmm. Katie's getting a lot of value out of it. So you can sort of be a testament and speak to the, the value you've gotten out of it. Plus, you know, um, you're able to share that and assert your, your dominance, if mm -hmm. you will. Like, you know, the, the other part to this is that um, the, the part of the world that, at least the part of the career world that I came from, as a faculty person, and I've harped on this several times on these podcasts, so if you're listening, I apologize again. Uh, but like, you know, when you're faculty, you have to make a, a your job is to publish and uh, get grants and make sure your work is peer reviewed by seemingly everyone in any context. And um, 
I'm observing higher ed marketing on the staff side now. And I want to have that same type of value that I get out of peer review. Uh, this, I, so like all the work that I'm doing, I try to make it as good as I possibly can because I want to submit it to EduWeb and Higher Ed Web and Podathon and all of these other things. And um, I'm, I'm finding that like some people are just like, you know what, I, I'm done for the day. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> and and I understand that 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 I may be like a, a special snowflake in this respect, but I I don't know what your read on this is. So I'll ask. Do you think that? Um, folks in the higher ed marketing sort of environment should be submitting their work to present or to competitions? Should they be having more pride in it? What do you think? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think um, we learn best from each other. Um, This is a space where best practices are evolving as quickly as the technology. Um, so I feel like the more that we can lift each other up both professionally and, you know, personally, the better off our institutions will be. Um, and I think, so case in point, like my, I'll give an example. Um, I presented at EDU web for the first time. It was the first time I had ever presented. It was the first time I was like, okay, I'm going to put this out there and this is terrifying. Um, and maybe I'm not, you know, as good as I, you know, pretend to be. Hello, imposter syndrome. And um, <laughs> yeah. so I, uh, I, put, I presented on um, marketing to the student journey. So working at a two-year community college, you, um, there is a distinct disadvantage um, just because you have a shortened time frame in which to engender uh, your students to be your fans and then to engender them to be your advocates. So mm-hmm. we, we presented on that, one of my colleagues and I. And then... Um, Literally a month later, after the presentation was given, I was contacted by the Journal of Educational Advancement and Marketing, and they wanted us to publish, um, which is huge. And I was, and so coming from the publishing background and working in higher ed on the administrative side, I was like, okay, this is interesting. Like I never would have thought like you would want me to publish, of course, um, in an academic journal. Like I had been publishing blog content as long as everyone else has been. But it was an opportunity for us to say, like, yes, we have um, thoughts and best practices on the student journey. We have thoughts and best practices on marketing. And we have thoughts and best practices on social media strategy and development. Um, I think that it's critically important for us to celebrate um, our successes, um, be it on Twitter or, you know, going so far as to putting together a presentation, participating in a webinar, even going so far as publishing. Um, I think there is a lot of opportunity for um, people that are working not necessarily as thought leaders right now, but who are working, quote unquote, in the trenches of marketing um, to really highlight some really innovative and and I don't want to say beautiful, but it is really like emotional content that is resonating with people, you know, and I think we're coming back to this concept of like, be genuine, be real you know, be engaging, like, and as you said before, being a storyteller, like, there are some amazing stories that are being told, and I think marketing professionals can do a better job of telling their story, in addition to telling the brand story. Right. Yeah, not everything is ad copy, and, you know, we really want to be, I I enjoy telling human-centered stories, even if they're slightly off-brand. Like, Mm -hmm. if you were a student and you had a captivating story that had nothing to do with admissions marketing, but it was just a good story to tell, and we kind of, you're a part of our family, I want to tell that story. Like, uh, we have a a champion boxer, Mm -hmm. woman, student. She just graduated. Awesome story. Has nothing to do with the business college other than her being a badass. And so, like, you know, I was able to tell her story, and that was really great. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, and I actually wanted to go out to Mm -hmm. where she practices and, like, get video of her, like, sparring with her coach and stuff like that. But, yeah. But nevertheless, like, that's a great story to tell that is just unique and and fun. And I don't feel like we get a lot of opportunities like that. Because at the end of the day, it's like, what do the metrics say? What's your data say that's informing your strategy? And we don't get to tell stories just for the sake of telling those stories. And I have to remind folks every now and then that 
you know, if, if you keep zigging, right, you keep making left turns, occasionally you need to take a right and or zag rather and um sometimes it's when you zag that you get the most um engagement or impressions or Mm -hmm. interest Mm -hmm. so um yeah yeah i think data tells an interesting story but it is not the only piece of that so the more that you can um educate your leadership on social media strategy being data driven but also Mm -hmm. human focused is, is critical because you are not speaking to students who only understand numbers. You're speaking to students who under, who really want to understand the, the culture of a college, right? They want right. to understand the emotional appeal of what's going to happen when I'm on campus. Um, who will I meet? And so those human interest stories, the ones that we're like, we have trouble telling sometimes because of uh, enrollment goals or admissions priorities and strategies, which is super important, obviously, but yeah. you need to, or FERPA. Yeah. yeah, or FERPA. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta watch out for FERPA. Um, yep. we could talk about FERPA, um, <laughs> or maybe we can't. Um, so no, just, just being able to like really balance those out with a data driven approach and a human approach is, is going to only better your brand. Um, in terms of the stories that you're able to tell and also those meeting those strategies, um, both, you know, qualitative and quantitative goals. Yeah. Um, you know, it's such a, it's just interesting how all those things converge mm-hmm. and we have to produce in reaction to that. And um, especially on the higher ed side, you know, you have to really rely on your data and your metrics. But again, sometimes you just have to learn to say like, no, we're just going to ignore this low engaging post right now. because It'll build into something mm-hmm. better or, or more substantive. Um, I think you also have to think about risk too, right? Like risk inversion in your college, like, or, in, sure. or really in any organization. Like, how risk adverse are you? Are you willing to take, you know, a slightly bigger risk on content that you're not sure how it's going to go? It might fail entirely. Mm -hmm. You don't have any data points to back it up, but it also might be hugely successful. So being able to kind of break out of that content box or that siloed um, marketing perspective can Mm -hmm. be really beneficial, um, both from a creative storytelling side, but also from a marketing side. It's just it gives you an opportunity to explore um, both the technology side of the house as well as the storytelling side of the house, being innovative with the resources and tools that you have and as, as well as working with the people that you work with. And, you know, one of the things that I think bothers me and I would hope bother you too is complacency yeah. and being yeah. static. So, you know, I... I, I left my tenure position on good terms. Everything was mm-hmm. fine there. Just wanted to work back in Pittsburgh, and um, I uh, and, and I'm at now I'm at Pitt Business, so I market the undergraduate programs. And um, when when I was looking at the whole Pitt Business landscape bef- before I interviewed and everything like that, I was thinking like they got to take some risks. They got to do some fun things. And then I looked at other business colleges and it was kind of the same thing. It's just like, you know, I understand that the business schools aren't inherently visual, like uh, the engineering schools, Mm -hmm. you know, the creative and performing arts schools, and even like the health sciences. Um, But I I definitely believe that there was some capability there. And you just have to tap into like the resources you have the most of, which would be your humans, your human capital, and t- tap into their stories. So, how do how do you make um, you know a business school like very very visual? Mm-hmm. And that was one of the the sort of premises I I worked under in, in my interview. And like, we can do some really cool looking things that are genuine and true and honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, kind of lift lift everything up and. Um, So I've had a lot of opportunity to kind of throw risk aversion out the window um, and just create things, uh, which, which is really uh, resulted in some interesting observations. So when you're working on your team, like, you know, it helps to have folks that have different types of personalities or even focal points. So 
for example, my supervisor is very data-driven and analytic, mm-hmm. as well as he should be. Um, so I'm able to, to bring some vision and give it some shape and mold that visually and with the writing. And then he looks at the number side. So we we're, we're, we're not butting heads. We're, yeah, we're yeah. interlocking working together. <laughs> yeah, we're working together. We're interlocking and, and it's been, it's been successful. What, um, what do you, you know, this is more of a question I think targeted for, uh, the students that, that are hopefully listening. Um, what do you look for in the, the personality traits or even the skill sets of your uh, team, your, mm-hmm. your, your marketing peers or even mm-hmm. your supervisor? What are the kind of uh, you know, qualities that resonate with you? Yeah, I think um, for me, it's, it's uh, definitely not like you suggested compliance. Like, I really want someone who is going to understand, like, who's able to take some risk. Um, I think the data analytics side is critically important, too. Um, being analytical, being um, ultimately creative, um, but in a way that doesn't sacrifice quality or pander to uh, <laughs> the trends that we're seeing yes. in social, yes. you know, like, I, I do not want to be cookie cutter social media. Um, I think a lot of higher education, unfortunately, looks at their competitors and says, okay, what are they doing as their baseline for their marketing strategy? Um, right. So I prefer someone who's going to come in and say, okay, I saw this piece of content that somebody did in an entirely different industry, and I want to make it our own. How do we do that? So somebody who's innovative, um, who's constantly looking to um, explore new ways to communicate, both effectively, like in print collateral even, and on social. Like, you know, I think somebody who can really understand the big picture is hugely valuable. Um, And it's not something that everyone on a marketing team needs to understand, but it is a huge quality to have in order to understand okay, this person's working on this website design with a landing page and, you know, and then social media, they're doing this over here. And like, how are we collectively, cohesively working on our independent parts to tell a story as a whole? Um, And then if you add in video development and, you know, um, really community development, you really need someone who's going to understand all of that rolling into each other. Um, You know, I was blessed when I worked at um, Quincy College to work with a team that was siloed and I'm and I'm not saying siloed in a bad way. We each had our own independent skill sets. I was the social media strategist and media relations. We had a website developer. We worked with, we were a team of five, so we were really close knit. Um, so it was a really nice, happy confluence of not only personality traits, but also technical skill sets. So right. we could we could benefit from hey, have you thought about doing it this way? Because this is what I, I am seeing as a, not only human being interacting, but this is what I'm seeing as a consumer. Um, and this is a message that I want to tell and a story that I want to tell. So how do we get there? So I really value team members who not only can see the bigger picture, but can you know, stay on top of their own you know, subject areas and their own passions and then translate that into the marketing office and that you're, where you're working. Yeah, that's, that's, that's perfect. I mean, that's, that's I think an ideal. Mm-hmm. And um, I, you know, I, I feel like if, if I were in that situation, I would be thriving, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, I, it's really easy, I think, to get bogged down into the minutia and the details of, of the, the marketing aspect of things, especially with, with higher ed. And, you know, there's a fair amount of politics that can be wrapped inside of that. And, um, you know, it gets convoluted and self-defeating, right? Um, so this idea of a, a very functional, multidisciplinary team that's, that's thriving is, is exciting because I'm not seeing a ton of it right yeah um you know i often thought like well you know i I have a background in entrepreneurship i've Mm -hmm. owned three companies sold them i'm on my fourth now and anytime i've had employees i've really emphasized like that personal and professional development so like all right yeah you know two weeks two hours a week three hours a week at the most like 
you know, why don't you just go do something? Like, even if it's like, go to the museum, like I'll, I'll pay for it. Like just go learn something and bring that back to the table. So I, I'm really fascinated by what people know by default on your team in this context, what they know and what they want to know and how that can improve the, the whole. So like, you know, if, if I ask your web designer, let's say I'm on your team, I ask your web designer, like, Hey, why don't you go down to that, uh, go down to that art gallery and just, you know, yeah. go get a coffee and just kind of waste an hour, you know, mm -hmm. tell me what you learn. Like yeah. we might be able to find something like kind of just unique and then apply that to, to our marketing. Absolutely. And, um, I don't know about you, but I, again, I'm not seeing a lot of that as sort of incentivization there. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think obviously higher education is tough, right? Because you're obviously subject to budgets that are almost always in a fluctuation based on mm -hmm. enrollment. And now with pandemic, it's incredibly difficult. So where the first cuts are usually at professional development levels. Um, sure. So, and it's very difficult unless you are the type of uh, worker or, you know, professional where you are always learning in some capacity. Like right. if you're relying on your organization to provide you that opportunity, unfortunately, I don't think that's the best way to go because not, not for a lack of them wanting you to grow as a professional, but it's generally a lack of availability to help you financially. Mm -hmm. So finding those resources that are free, especially as students um, and lifelong learners, um, can really help you, um, both in terms of your, you know, academic growth and then your professional growth. Um, it is, I think, one of the most profound things I watched, and I, my boss shared it with me a years ago, was this video where they followed a marketing team um, from their door in their office to a pitch meeting, and they then showed the pitch um for a marketing um campaign and literally there they then broke the pitch down by what content they had consumed from the door that they left to the pitch meeting so like for example that marketing campaign had a stop sign well they saw a stop sign you know on their way from their door to the meeting so like right. that clearly in front so like i it the whole point was you know we all consume content on a regular basis. We all can learn new skills on a regular basis. And even if it's not quote unquote professional development, it's still something that's going to inform your work. Um, I constantly would tell my social media teams, I don't care if you are following other higher education. I mean, you should obviously yes. on social, but I care what content you're looking at from a personal level. So if right. you can, I'm a, I'm an open water swimmer. So like if you can look at, for example, a wetsuit brand and take some kind of inspiration from that and it bring it back to the table. Yes. It's, it's tremendous. I mean, yep. and that, that kind of like passion translates to your marketing, even if it's mm -hmm. not something that's directly related to your higher education or marketing campaign. You know what I look at? Mm. for inspiration and it's not related to higher ed at all yeah. I, I look at illustrations totally yeah yeah that's almost all I look at anymore is is on Instagram specifically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I look at illustrations that people are making um yeah. and I just I look at how they use line shape mm -hmm. color and yeah. it's like oh I want to do that yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I so yeah go ahead go ahead now, I was just going to say, in one of my many career trajectories, so when I was in publishing, I um, worked in, I worked on the animation and 3D list. So one mm -hmm. of my authors were Disney animators who were both old school 2D animators all the way to 3D animation. So like being able to understand like the breakdown of a line in color, both mm -hmm. in an emotional appeal as well as like an art artistic visual element is tremendous so I'm, I'm like super thrilled you're using Illustrator oh the the, the the depth of feeling you yeah. get I mean as the creator or even as the the viewer I mean mm -hmm. it can be very immersive um, Absolutely. yeah I I'm just I'm just captivated by all the different uh, types of you know uh, artists out there that are illustrating and mm -hmm. um, you know when when I m with my first company I made it a point to only hire designers 
that yes, they could design and they could use the software, but they mm -hmm. needed to be good illustrators. Yep. And, and the, the rationale for that wasn't so much that they can make appealing artwork, mm -hmm. it's that their brain works a little bit differently. They perceive the world slightly different than, than mm -hmm. I do, that you okay. do. Yep. And that informed the center. Uh, shape the center and um, I, I was able to, to grow a lot from that so um, okay so switching gears uh, I want to know uh, what's the one thing that uh, especially in, in higher ed marketing what's the one thing that higher ed marketing could do that it hasn't like have you had that this like this grand idea this you know like what's the one thing that we could do and it would be awesome but no one's ever done it or some people have and failed what do you think if i had that idea i probably would be you know still in, <laughs> still employed in higher ed. um no i wish i do i think there's so many people that are doing really innovative um virtual spaces right now um so like it's been done but i'm 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 most eager to see how higher education evolves in the virtual space in the ar space mm -hmm. um in like as we talked about creating immersive experience um i don't necessarily have any background in that whatsoever um apart from working with 3d authors um but i think being able to uh continue to explore the opportunities available for those kinds of like virtual spaces, um, especially during a pandemic, especially during like an online push for online education. Um, I think there is more opportunity there, um, both on the tech side, as well as on the, how does Marcom work with that technology outside of a vendor? You know, how do you build and how do you bring those that skill set in house to be incredibly valuable for you? And then how do you pivot that um, to not only benefit, for example, virtual tours, but how do you take that technology into the classroom um, to do, utilize, for example, biotechnology, um, looking at the development of pharmaceuticals? Like, can you utilize that in a classroom, that virtual AR space? for education as well as for admissions. Um, right. You know, it's something that I think is interesting. I don't necessarily know if it's new, shiny, pretty, and that whether or not it will change as education evolves. Um, but I think, um, no offense to TikTok, but I think, you know, that kind of, um, that kind of investment in technology and, and marketing uh, might be a little bit more sound than, um, you know, another social media platform. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree with that, especially with all the things that they're adding into those platforms. Mm -hmm. So, you know, last night my, my wife and I were sitting on the couch and she's like, she, she had the Facebook app open on her phone. She's like, what the hell is this? I, I forget what it was called, like meat yep. or, or something. And the like, new breakout oh, rooms. Yep. The new breakout rooms. That's yep. Facebook's version of Zoom yep. right there. Yep. And uh, <laughs> she's like, I don't want this yeah, <laughs> or, yeah, or, you know, yeah. like, well, you know, it actually might be, might be useful. So they're adding a lot of, uh, you know, functionality to, to the, to the apps that we're using yeah. to do our work. And, yeah. you know, I think to your point, I'm, I'm a bit concerned about function bloat, Yeah, you know, just sure. trying to jam pack all kinds of functionality into these singular applications yeah. that, you know, we're forced to rely on, you know, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the AR space is really, really exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, and, you know, interestingly enough, I think that the promotional product space is still viable and mm -hmm. perhaps yeah. more so now than ever. Um, yeah. I've had a lot of conversations with promotional products people and yeah. interestingly enough, like they're thriving right now. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, I, I think for me, my interest is in, uh, designing some of those products, you mm -hmm. know, and having some mm -hmm. fun with that, but yeah. never the, nevertheless, um, I, so getting towards the end of the end of the call here, I, I want to get your thoughts on, um, you know, what's, what's happening now. So you've been working from home for a couple months, just like I have. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to, you know, work remotely in some cases that, you know, mm -hmm. that doesn't, you know, work out. Um, yep. Yeah. And uh, the students that, that, you know, I've had this past semester, 
you know, they've gone from very enthusiastic and enjoying the class, enjoying their semester, it just plateaued. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was speaking to a student the other day who had said something to the effect of, my career has been canceled. Oh, that breaks your heart. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's awful feeling. And yeah. there's very little that, you know, you, you can do about the situation that we're dealing with. But mm-hmm. um, I, I, I tried to tell this, you know, this particular student, like, there's still a lot that, that you can do. So, you know, from, from your point of view, what could a marketing design communications student do, especially, you know, if they've had an internship canceled or they've had a job offer rescinded, um, what could they be doing right now to build their career amidst an economy that can't support them? Yeah, I think it, um, it is heartbreaking to suddenly have your semester completely upend um, and to like reestablish a normalcy is really difficult. So I think the first point is to give yourself some space to process that. Um, it is very difficult emotionally and especially if you're graduating to kind of move through that. Um, but once you do kind of reach a space where you're like, okay, I'm ready to move forward because to be honest, if you move forward too quickly, it might be add kind of add fuel to the fire of being too overwhelming. Um, so you kind of want to surround yourself with um, people and have conversations, involve your support network, and then decide how you want to move forward. But I think doing things like even if you don't have your internship, doing a podcast, doing you know getting experience, even if you want to host a podcast, if you want to be a guest on a podcast, if you want to continue to write. There are so many avenues that you can pursue as a marketer. And I know that everyone has opinions. So like being able to share those opinions in an intelligent way, in a valuable way. Um, I continually tell people, you know, before you put out any piece of content, you want to ask yourself, is this, am I being visible? Am I being valuable? Am I being available? So, you know, you want to make sure that whatever you produce is going to help not only yourself, but help somebody else. Um, So being able to take that um, loss and turn it into a positive is gonna be critical. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think there is so many free resources, you know, conversations you can have with professionals in the field. I'm happy to have a conversation with any student at any point in time. Um, I'm very chatty on Twitter. Um, so, you know, I think it's just a matter of reaching out to the people in, in the field that, to be honest, potentially have lived through recessions. Um, mm. When I graduated from college, we were our, we were in a recession. So like, Same here. you know, yeah. so like we kind of know what that feels like. And so being able to connect with those people, build those skill sets in a different way than what you thought. And I, the mm-hmm. point is being able to pivot and being resilient and kind of building those skill sets of resiliency for yourself. Um, But first and foremost, start with taking care of you and then work towards um, some passion projects. You know, I mean, I think um, there's so much opportunity for students in this space to be visible and valuable and available. Um, You know, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, they're, you know, and that's sort of what, you know, along the lines of what I've been telling them is that like, on the, you know, immediately you feel like there are no jobs out there. Yeah. Right. Eventually those jobs will come back. It may take a while. Mm -hmm. So how do you pivot from that? How do you convert, you know, that, that negative energy that you've got and, and push that into something positive and progressive for yourself? And you know, depending on who it is, and I think for me, I look at it as a student-on-student basis, case-by-case basis, but uh, um, I, I've told some students like, hey, you know, now's a really good time to figure out what you don't want to do versus exactly. what you want to do. So, for example, like, you know, some of my colleagues would say to the marketing students, like, go get a job in sales. If you want to be a CMO mm-hmm. someday, you need mm-hmm. to know sales completely. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, sales jobs aren't attractive because you have to meet your metrics. And if you don't, then you go away. But, um, you know, I've, I've done sales, you know, with my own companies and, and, um, I've gotten a lot of value out of that. In fact, Mm -hmm. it's taught me to be more extroverted than I already am. 
Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, um, and it, it's fun, you know, client, yeah. client acquisition, excuse me, can be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, so like to some of the marketing students, like hmm, consider sales doesn't work out. That's fine. Yeah, you kind of exactly. get a pass because nothing makes sense right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know? I think being ex exploring your options is critical, you know, and just being flexible to whatever right. experience you can gain at right. this point, you know. And and I had a colleague once who who I had went to for for some career advice because mm -hmm. I was in a PhD program and um, I wasn't really feeling it mm -hmm. and um, you know I I told him like you know I I I want I I've always wanted to go to get I never thought I would be going to college with where mm -hmm. I went to school with my health yep. condition. I never thought I'd get an associate degree, a bachelor's, a master's. I never thought I'd be at the PhD level. And I got mm -hmm. into a program and then I realized like I'm here and I don't know what all of my energy is going to result in. Yep. And, and I'm like, how do I bounce back from that? And he's like, well, you know, you don't have to put it on your resume. It's not yeah, like exactly. you have to put it on your gravestone. So yeah. it's like, you know, if to some of the students like you know try something new and yeah. if it doesn't work out don't put it on your resume exactly. you know there if can, you want to <laughs> yeah, and if you want to hedge your bets like do a certification class or something just yep. to show that you were still busy on the on mm -hmm. the marketing side or whatever mm -hmm. and um so you know i think that there's great opportunity for that for example mm -hmm. um you know, since I've been in self-isolation, I've been doing a lot of yard work mm -hmm. and planting and stuff like that. And I kind of have a green thumb, but what I realized is that I am not good at carpentry mm -hmm. at all. <laughs> at all. I should not do it. Yeah, yeah. Which is ironic because as a designer, you would think I'd have the capability mm -hmm. to design even like a simple platform. Yeah. Um, in like it's just it's bad the translation <laughs> it's lost in translation it's okay yeah I think, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> something gets lost there but uh yeah that that's that's really great advice mm -hmm. so um at any rate um if if folks uh, you know the other thing that i wanted to ask you about actually is entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and how how do you think you know i think with our with the recent graduates mm -hmm. um especially in this generation like they're very savvy with social media they know a lot more than they let on um and you know i think that there's a lot of people that are going to discover like you know maybe i should just do this on my own and, and be a mm -hmm. freelancer or they start mm -hmm. their own company and i absolutely love that yeah. what would your recommendations be for someone that wants to be a social media consultant or marketing mm -hmm. consultant? I think um, work on your personal brand first. Um, understand what value you can provide. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, there are so many social media consultants in existence right now um, that are- And they're all experts. And they're okay. all experts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't call yourself a ninja. Don't call yourself a guru. Like, don't, you know, like just- I think understanding your value proposition as a, mm. as a marketer and really understanding what you like to do as a marketer. So for example, I'm a nerd and I love social media audits because that gives me a data foundation in which yes. I can build my content. Um, and it's, a, it's actually a, a space for common language when working with clients. So being able to say like, here's your data, here's our strategy, let's marry it together and have a beautiful existence on social. Um, mm -hmm. you know, but really understanding what you like to do and where you want to grow as a, as a social media, um, consultant or even as a marketing consultant, like don't just pigeonhole yourself as I'm only social media. You mm -hmm. have so many unique skill sets that even if you have a focus in social, you can write content, you can write copy, you can take the copy skills that you have and translate that into media relations, copywriting, like, you know, there's so much that you could do. It's just a matter of really understanding what skills you can provide, what skills you want to provide, and then really pivoting that to your personal brand, selling yourself, not being afraid to sell yourself, um, right. and understanding, um, going after the clients that you really want to work with. I, 
and maybe it's just me, but like I'm really um, mission driven when I'm working with people. Like I want to, if I need to care about what you do in order for me to work with you. Um, and you know, I can't, I'm not one of those people who's just like, yeah, I'm in it for, you know, whatever I'm going to help you. Um, yeah. I really need to understand um, your mission, how it's helping other people and then how I can fit into that mix. Um, so that's, you know, I think as a consultant, you kind of need to really understand yourself before you can help other people. Um, so being able to work on that now and make sure that your branding, your personal branding, applying your marketing skills to yourself across all of your channels. So LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram and, um, you know, and making sure that you are selling you, you, um, is, is critical. Awesome. Well, I can't think of a better way to end it than there. Selling yourself. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if, if there's one thing I've learned as a faculty person is that you absolutely must be your own best advocate. You become not all people, but if you're good at what you do, you become really a master of your own branding. And, you know, uh, I think, artists, marketers, comms people, design people are exceptionally good at that. Yeah. I mean, in, in our fields, I think we know who the, who we consider to be the superstars are, mm -hmm. you know, and we know that because they're very good at branding themselves, Absolutely. but not just that. They're also good at following through on the back end of that. So Absolutely. they've got, they've got the approachable front end, and then they provide good content or good leadership or good mm -hmm. direction. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they're great at that. And some people that's all they do and that's great. Yep. So, yep. you know, and you know, with the, the, the personal branding, like that comes over time and, Absolutely. you know, just despite the fact that like you may have just graduated, you, you yeah. have a lot of advantages, Absolutely. especially if your work, like if you want to be a, a social media consultant, right. Mm -hmm. You can tap into nonprofits, you can yep. tap into small businesses, yep. practically anything, yep. you know, and there are a ton of small businesses that have no idea yeah. no. <laughs> what they That doing. really need help, yeah. I think, and especially as um, the, pan well, I think the pandemic yeah. rolls out, like, and we've seen it where organizations have really different approaches to crisis communication. Mm -hmm. So if you can position yourself as I can speak intelligently to your audience about what is happening in your right now, currently, and then I can build you a strategy that is going to be not necessarily pandemic proof, but mm -hmm. will be resilient and respectful and will help you grow, even if even during a time when potentially there is no growth. Um, you know, I think that is so important to understand um and that you shouldn't as a as a new graduate you shouldn't pigeonhole yourself um right. just because you thought you were going to go into higher ed for example doesn't mean that that is the mm -hmm. only avenue at which you can utilize your skill sets um Absolutely. so being really open to that both as a consultant as well as a professional um it can only serve you so you know so well it's amazing like so much opportunity even. And that's the point. To there end you on. go. That's the point. To end on. <laughs> so much okay. opportunity. Yeah. All right. This was great. Uh, thanks, Katie. And if if yeah. folks are interested in learning more about you and your experiences, mm -hmm. how can they get a hold of you? So uh, I'm on Twitter at KDB underscore Spencer. So feel free to follow me. I'm happy to have conversations. And thank you for the opportunity. It was great to chat with you. Yeah, this was fun. We'll do it again. Thanks. Absolutely. Awesome.